Hello and welcome to this episode of The Parson and the Songmen, as I continue to tell stories of the song collecting of the Devon Parson, the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould. In this episode, we find Sabine courting and marrying the young mill girl, Grace Taylor, and as he so often did in his life, causing some controversy. This time across the Victorian divide, as she was half his age. I spoke in podcast 15 how Sabine had written in further reminiscences of the girls of Horbury Brig in the early mornings with the clatter of their clogs on their way to work at Poppleton's Mill. I can't remember him ever commenting in his writings before on him taking notice of a young lady. Is it perhaps the first time he actually noticed with interest a member of the opposite sex? I wonder. Now... This sentence from Further Reminiscences gives us a clue. A pretty sight it is on a Monday morning to see the troops of lasses going to the mills in their clean white pinafores, arms bare and over their heads scarlet, pink or blue kerchiefs tied under the chin. (laughs) Something, or should that be someone, must have caught his eye because he noted later that week how the white pinafore had lost some of its purity and by Saturday evening had become besmirched and dirty. Uh, Just a moment, Sabine. You started the week by referring to the lasses and by Saturday your concentration is on one pinafore? Then on the same tack as myself, the Reverend William Purcell, in his biography of Sabine, Onward Christian Soldier, asked, at what point in his early time at Horbury did he become aware of one particular pair of clogs? It is impossible to say. Up to that time, Sabine had been single and free, as far as can be judged, from even an awareness of women. Oh, and who was the wearer of that one pinafore? And the one pair of clogs? Why, the lovely 16-year-old girl, Grace Taylor of Horbury Brig. Now for a song that fits well with the story of the clatter of clogs and the girls on their way to work from Horbury to Poppleton's Mill that Sabine remembered hearing in the early mornings when he first was at Horbury Brig. I said in podcast 16 that I had found this song in further reminiscences that Sabine had taken down from John Woodridge of Thrushelton, Devon, in the late 1880s when he started collecting folk songs. And here it is, fitting because some of the girls with clattering clogs also wore a bonny blue kerchief. And this is the bonny blue kerchief. I saw a sweet lassie trip over the lea. Her eyes were of lodestones attracting of me. Her cheeks were the roses that Cupid lurks in, with a bonny blue kerchief tied under her chin. Oh, where are you going, my fair pretty maid? Oh, whither so swift through the dewdrops, I said. I go to my mother to sit and to spin, oh, the bonny blue kerchief tied under her chin. Why wear you that kerchief tied over your head? 
Tis the country girl's fashion, kind sir, then she said, and the fashion young maidens will always be in, so I wear a blue kerchief tied under my chin. To kiss her sweet lips then I sought to begin, Oh, nay, sir, she said, ere a kiss you would win. Pray show me a ring, though, of gold the most thin, or slyest blue kerchief tied under the chin. Why wear you a blue kerchief, sweet lassie, I said, because the blue colour is not one to fade, as a sailor's blue jacket who fights for the king. So's my bonny blue kerchief tied under my chin. The love that I value is certain to last, not fading or changing, but ever so fast, that only the colour my love sir to win. So goodbye from the kerchief tied under the chin. How they met, no one seems to have known but there can be no doubt that Sabine and Grace would have come into contact early in his time at Horbury, as she would have attended his evening classes and then church on Sundays. As to how the romance grew, there is no mention of it by Sabine in his further reminiscences. But there is a selection of ideas to choose from in several biographies about Sabine of how and when their courtship took place, plus how and by who Grace the Mill Girl was educated and trained to be transformed into a young lady of quality, who in years to come would be known as Lady Grace Bearing Gold. It could not have been easy for them falling in love. She was 16, he in his early 30s, quite an age gap there. Added to that the vast class divide between them. The local gossip must have been rife about them. Not to mention the loss of a perfect husband of class and breeding, the mothers of the daughters of the local gentry so desired for their daughters. Then, to cap it all, they got engaged in 1866, and perhaps sensibly to stem the gossip, Sabine made a move to be the vicar at the church in the village of Dalton in 1867. The village of Dalton in Tamuk was so called because of the amount of mud that the villagers were forced to travel through in the winter on the village roads. Grace's parents had warned her of the consequences of her courtship with the much older curate. The story of their courtship and marriage are an extraordinary one, the details of which can never fully be known. Sabine's autobiography, Reminiscences, 1864-94, to was published posthumously in 1925, with merely a mention that he married Miss Grace Taylor on the 28th of May, 1868. But he did tell of the story of their courtship in a passage that has mysteriously vanished and was not included in the book. To realise all that their marriage implied, one must remember the rigidity of the social barriers of the time. This was emphasised by the fact that neither parents of the happy couple attended the wedding. They were much against the match.
The honeymoon was organised by Sabine and was spent in a month's tour travelling in Europe. Once married, Grace at the age of 18 became the vicar of Dalton's wife, where life was much quieter in the agricultural parish she now found herself in. Sabine was not happy or felt at home in his time at Dalton. It was an obscure hamlet of just a hundred souls. There does not seem so much work for him to do there as had been done in the parish of Horbury Brig. There it had 700 souls and his successful task of setting up the mission. While at Dalton, he wrote his first novel, Through Flame and Flood, which tells the story of a clergyman's son who was in love with a poor mill girl. You might call it an autobiographical account of Sabine and Grace and their courtship, with a clue to who was responsible for her education. Bickford Dickinson, in his biography of his grandfather, wrote that in the novel the young man sends the girl to be educated by a relative of the vicar, and this is precisely what Sabine did with Grace. Sabine's eldest daughter Mary always said that it was John Sharp, uh, he was the vicar of Horbury, um, if you like, he was Sabine's boss, who befriended the lovers and that it was to a lady relative of his that Grace was sent to be educated. This is almost certainly correct, for Mary was far more in her parents' confidence than were her younger brothers and sisters. Bigford Dickinson was also well informed in writing the biography, for Mary was his mother. Mary was their first child, born on 20th of April 1869, and the second daughter, Margaret, was born in August 1870. By the end of January 1871, the Dalton Vicarage had become too small and Sabine had asked for a larger house for his growing family. He summed up his position by writing in further reminiscences, I had become cramped at Dalton. Then on January 11th, 1871, he was offered the rectory of East Mercia, Essex, where the family went on March 21st, 1871, and they would stay there for the next 10 years. Now it's time for another song, which I think is fitting to my tale. It comes from the fact that John Woodridge, who I mentioned earlier, had gone travelling in England and Wales, and just like the chap in this song I'm about to sing, John had travelled around, leaving his wife and family at home in the village of Thrushelton, Devon. The song is Spencer the Rover, and it comes from the singing of the wonderful copper family of Rottingdean, Sussex. And this is Spencer the Rover. These words were composed by Spencer the Rover, who travelled through England and most parts of Wales. He had been much reduced, which caused him confusion. And that was the reason he went on the roam. In Yorkshire, near Rotherham, he had been on his rambles. Being weary of travelling, he sat down to rest. At the foot of yonder mountain there runs a clear fountain. With bread and cold water himself did refresh. 
It tasted more sweeter than the gold he had wasted, more sweeter than honey, and brought more contempt, till the thought of his babies lamenting their father brought tears to his eyes and caused him to repent. Well, now the night fast approaching to the woods he resorted, with woodbine and ivy, his bed for to make, where he dreamed about sighing, lamenting and crying. Go home to your family, and rambling forsake. Twas on the fifth of November, I have reason to remember, when first he arrived home to his family and wife. They stood so surprised when first he arrived to see such a stranger once more in their sight. His children flock round him with their brittle prattling stories, with their brittle prattling stories to drive care away. Now they'll be united like birds of one feather, like bees in one hive, contented they'll stay. So now he has placed in his cottage contented, with ivy and roses growing all around the door. He's as happy as they that's got thousands of riches. Contented he'll stay and go rambling no more. Spencer the Rover. As Sabine's parochial duties were not time-consuming in the four years he was at Dalton, it was time he did not waste. He wrote two novels, one of which was Through Flood and Flame, that I've already mentioned, three on religious works, three on myths and folklore. This output of books on a variety of subjects would continue in the years to come which would at times bring in well-needed revenue for Sabine and his family, as you will hear about his writing in later podcasts. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this podcast. It was produced by John Tidball. I am Mike Bosworth. Thank you for downloading and listening. Until next time, I wish you well. Bye-bye. <laughs>